Song of Solomon 2, verse 15. It says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes, that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Everybody say, the little foxes spoil the vines. Over in Matthew now, the 13th chapter. Matthew 13th chapter. There are several parables in this one chapter. But let's just begin in verse 31. Read this particular parable. Matthew 13, 31. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. Everybody say the least. See, the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs. Everybody say the greatest. And becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Here you see the principle. Jesus is using the natural example of a, a mustard seed and how that it starts very, very small and grows very big. But he's using that just to portray that in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, this principle is all through everything that we have to do with and the things of God and even in natural things, how that things start very small and can grow and develop to become very big. Even the least things and the least beginnings can be marvelous and tremendous endings. Amen. And we've been talking about all this week uh, about how that virtually everything you want to talk about, whether it's uh, good things or bad things, whether it's curses or blessings, whether it's problems or, or victories or, or whatever, things start small and get big. So many times people act oblivious of that. Somehow they'll have a major problem mentally or physically or financially or materially or uh, maritally or in a relationship. Uh, a big problem uh, is there. And so many times folk act like, well, you know, this problem just, just came out of the blue. Just one day, bing, there it was. And the vast majority of times that is not the case. If, if folk would look back, they, they, they could see where it began with some seemingly small things and insignificant things long ago, and it's progressed and developed until it's gotten to this point. Both bad things and problems and good things and blessings start small and get big. Amen. In another uh, parable... In the Word of God in the fourth chapter of Mark, let's just turn and look at it. Mark chapter 4. Talking actually about some of these same things. He just uses a little bit different example. Mark 4, verse 26. Mark 4, 26. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Now there are many applications that this can have, but he says this is the way the kingdom of God is. This is the way the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven operates. You know, someone uh, 
was purported to have asked Smith Wigglesworth one time, uh, what was the secret to great faith? What was the secret to having strong faith and great faith? And they said that he told them, uh, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. What's he telling them? Well, he's telling them what the Word teaches. If you want strong faith and great faith, you start small. Amen. And you grow into big and strong faith. Amen. But you see, this message and these principles that we've been talking about, these are not the most popular with many Christians. Because this requires uh, uh, perseverance, doesn't it? And it requires patience. And it requires consistency. And so many times people don't, they don't like to talk about those issues and those elements. They just like to talk about, well, let's do something spectacular and have instantaneous results. And that's all people want to focus in on. That you do this or you do this and, and that's it. But, you know, even though we do see situations like that, we, we see that, that God does some outstanding things, some instantaneous things, some spectacular things. As we've said to you again and again, that's not the norm. That's not where we live every day. You may have some of those things happen here and there in your life as you follow God, but that's not what's going to happen day in, day out. You understand? On a regular basis. Uh, I know it took me a little while to, to understand those things here in healing school itself. I've been working with healing school. Uh, I guess soon be 10 years in this particular department. And, uh, you know, I, for a long time, being, you know, being young, still, still am young now, but, you know, we're, we're even younger then, uh, particularly in knowledge I'm talking about and not knowing anything. But, 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 uh, you know, if you're not careful, uh, as a young Christian, you'll gravitate to the spectacular. And that's actually a sign of carnality that you gravitate to the spectacular. And uh, you could just stop there and talk about a lot of things today, couldn't you? Things that are going on in the body of Christ and what have you. Uh, people gravitate to the spectacular. Large, large crowds are not necessarily an indication that God's moving. <laughs> Did you hear me? Could be, but not necessarily, and not always so. Uh, because a lot of times, the, you understand, the majority of Christians are young and babes and children. I mean, if you just wanted to say across the board, the, the majority of the body of Christ in the earth are not mature. The, the majority of Christians are, are, are very, very young spiritually. You understand the Bible says you're born a spiritual baby. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. And then if you're fed properly and exercise your spirit properly, you'll grow. Now, if, you, if you're not fed properly, you won't grow. You can be born again for many years and still be a baby Christian. Growth is not automatic. You must be fed and you must develop. But uh, uh, many in the body of Christ are, are, are very young. And uh, therefore, if you're young and, and, and more inclined toward the natural, then uh, you're, you're more affected by that which is sensational and by that which is spectacular. And I know that when I first started in the healing ministry, the main thing I focused in on was miracles of healing. Miracles, you know, where that you pray a prayer for somebody or you touch somebody, and I mean the power of God overwhelms them, every symptom instantaneously disappears, and, and that's it, you know. That's it. 
in one fell swoop, everything's done. I'm going to know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and I try, I tried to, to have that all the time. And we had some of those things, you know, here and there, but not too many. And then one day I was in prayer and the Lord dealt with me about this and he asked me, he said, uh, he said, what, what is this ministry that you're involved with? I said, it's healing school. He said, well, and it's not miracle school. <laughs> it's healing school. I said, yes, that, yeah, healing school. And what he's trying to do is help me to see that there's a difference. So there are instantaneous miracles of healing. We've seen those. Uh, don't, don't misunderstand me. We're not, we're not trying to say that we, we shouldn't be looking for those and having those. Uh, I mean, we, we've had those. And we, we're believing to have many, many more. Amen. We've seen tumors instantly disappear. Joints instantly loosed. Ears instantly open. Things like that. We've seen it with my own eyes. Had it happen right under my own hand. We're not just, you know, we're not trying to belittle this because we haven't experienced it. We have experienced it. But you understand uh, that many times people, that's the only concept of healing they have. And because of that, many people are, are in difficulty. They're not getting results and they're waiting on somebody with a special ministry or a special anointing or a special gift to call them out, to touch them, and all of it to be, you know, manifested just like that, everything to happen just like that. And friend, everyone is not guaranteed that. Many have misunderstood. Everyone's not guaranteed that. See, these have to do with some special things. This goes beyond just healing. These are actually sign miracles. Amen? Miracles that are performed oftentimes for more purposes than just the benefit of the recipient. They're performed for signs. Amen? And the Lord often has many purposes in these things. And the Lord began to deal with me, this is healing school. So work, work and focus in on healing. And actually, he, he helped me to see that some of the people that we would be getting here would be people that have tried to get instantaneous things in healing lines and ministries and places here and there and hadn't received. And so now what are you going to do? We've got to come back down to the solid things. Amen. They're not as spectacular. Amen. But they work for everybody, everywhere, all the time. Amen. 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 I'm telling you that the Word does not guarantee you. God does not guarantee you that like a lightning flash, the power of God is going to strike you and instantly all of your symptoms will disappear. The Word does not guarantee that. But, according to the Word, God's Word is medicine. Amen? And God's Word is seed. And you can take that medicine and take that seed and plant it in you and water it and nourish it and keep it in you. And like that, that mustard seed, though it begin very, very small, it'll grow in you and grow in you. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. It may take a few days. It may take a few weeks. Some situations may be longer. But if you stay with it, you can be whole. You can be healed. Amen. This word came to every believer. Believers shall lay hands on the sick and instantly their symptoms will disappear. It's not what it said. No. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What does it mean to recover? It means you start getting better and you get better and better and better until you're whole. How many believe in healing? How many believe in recovery? Praise God. I trust that you do. 
Amen. We want to stay open for special things. We want to stay open for special things. And want to believe God to do things. But at the same time, if we don't have some special manifestation, we still know how to get healed. Amen. May not be as spectacular. May not be as sensational. Won't be as quick. But it works. Amen. How many would rather be healed if it took you six months than to die? Hmm? <laughs> or to stay sick? I should hope so. Amen. And I know that sounds kind of humorous, but it's that way too. I mean, it's a fact too. Thank God we can learn the principles of God's Word and begin to apply them and, and don't, don't, you know, just seek for the spectacular and the sensational, but be willing to settle down and be consistent and water the Word and let it grow in you and be perseverant and persistent until you get what God has for you. You know, this principle is the same uh, way in every area of life. You know, I, one big problem that I've seen that has occurred in, in the um, uh, charismatics about the subject of prosperity is that again and again, people are trying to portray, well, you know, given this one offering and it's going to solve your problems forever. You know, jump up and make three confessions and, and touch a holy cloth or, uh, or, or do this or have somebody pray a prayer. And I mean, your problem, you will never have another dollar problem again. And you're going to go from uh, poor to millionaire probably in about two weeks or something like that, you know. Get rich quick type mentalities. But that's not really what the Bible teaches. What does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches tithe, sow, give. Not beyond where you're at, but where you're at. Amen? Not beyond, how many heard what I said? Not beyond where you're at. Not giving, not give, trying to give where somebody else is at. You give where you're at. And yeah, you confess. And you believe God. But you be a, be a good steward and exercise wisdom and let God lead you. And it's not so spectacular, but if you'll stay hooked and stay put year after year, He'll bless you. He'll increase you. Your standard of living will come up, up. You'll be able to give more and more. Amen. Amen. And over a period of years, everybody say years. 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 That's what, that's what a lot of folks don't like. They don't like that. They don't like that part. They want you to just lay your hands on them and that's it. Pray a prayer and everything's solved. You know, we've got that same problem today with all of the excesses in, uh, in so-called deliverance. You know, there's a, there's a lot of folk around and even, and even quite a few ministries that they, that they somewhat purport that if you've got a problem, that it's the devil, of course. Everything's the devil. And if you come up, they'll cast that out of you and you'll be free. And it's no wonder that huge masses flock to that kind of thing. Are you listening? Because that greatly appeals to people's laziness. It means I don't have to do a thing. I'm just going to go down front and they're going to cast all my problems out and I'm going to live happily ever after. But it's not so. Now, we believe, you know, we believe in casting out devils. We believe in deliverance and, and the true thing. But the thing is, people have got to realize that if somebody's got problems, it's not just a devil problem, though the devil may be involved. You've also got a flesh problem. 
And if you're not going to do anything with your flesh, then the devil's still going to have place after you get through with your ministry. Amen. And even if somebody gets temporary help or relief, their problem is not going to be solved until they take control of their mind and they take control of their flesh and, and learn to not just let their self go, but discipline their self and exercise self-control. Amen. And see, folk don't like to hear that. They just want you, well, just pray for me and my problems will be solved. Well, no, it's not that simple. It's not that simple. Amen. I, well, you know, you guys are not enjoying this too good, I don't guess, but let me see if I got something else I can preach here. Now, th this is reality. This is what the Bible teaches. God does do some spectacular things, but you don't live in spectacular things every day or every week. You understand? There are some basic principles that we need to understand that you live by. Week in, week out, month in, month out, year after year. And it's the basic principles of sowing and reaping. Seed time and harvest. How many know that when you plant seed, you don't go out and reap the next day? Do you? You sow some seed and you go back and reap a, a tremendous harvest three days later. No. No. You plant the seed. And then you've got to wait. Isn't that right? Let it grow. Make sure it's getting sunlight. Make sure it's watered. Make sure it's taken care of. Make sure that a bunch of weeds in the grass don't choke it out. Keep it weeded. Keep it in good shape. But other than that, you just, you gotta give it time. Let it work in you. Now, I want you to go with me over to, uh, Luke here. The, uh, let's see, the 17th chapter. Luke chapter 17. I tell you, before you look at that, go ahead and find it. But before you look at that, I want you to look at two other verses. I believe you'll get a lot more out of it if you look at this first. I want you to go with me to, to uh, Matthew 9 and Exodus 23. Then we'll get to Luke 17. I think you'll get more out of it that way. Matthew 9. And Luke 17, excuse me, Exodus, Matthew 9, and then Exodus 23, then Luke 17. Now in Matthew 9, I just want you to notice this, this account and how it's worded. <clears throat> Verse 27, when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, Matthew 9, 27, that two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. When he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. You see, these men were in need of healing and they came and they asked the master you know to have mercy on them which is another way of asking him to heal them and uh, he asked them a question he said do you believe that I'm able to do this and they said yes 
But then he then he he made another very enlightening statement. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now he asked them if they believed he could do it, if they believed that he had the authority, that he had the power to do it, and they said yes, but he didn't turn around then and say, well, okay, according to my power, be it unto you. Even though you must believe that God has the power to do any and everything, you must also understand that you don't receive according to his power. You don't receive according to what God can do. Amen. This is very important. You don't just receive according to what God can do. How did he tell them they'd receive? According to their faith. Now I want to say that again. I want you to think about it. We don't receive according to God's ability. We receive according to our faith. I want to say that again. I'll say it two or three times maybe. But you think about it. We don't receive according to God's ability. I've had people try to talk to me about, you know, well, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not hard for God to do anything. I mean, I don't have to go to the doctor or I don't have to take this treatment or I don't have to do this. God can just do this. Yeah, He can, but that's not how you're going to receive. You're not going to receive according to what He can do. You'll receive according to what you can believe. Amen. And how you want things to be and how you can believe them to be are two different things. Well, I wish it would just happen like this. Well, that's not faith. That's wishing. We receive not according to God's ability, not according to God's provision, not according to God's power, but we receive out of that provision according to our faith. Now that may seem like a, a simple statement, but friend, that is an answer to questions that large portions of the body of Christ have. Amen. Many assume that we receive according to what God can do. Or they either say, well, it's just all up to His will. And they eliminate the element of us. But the Bible teaches, Jesus said, and this is not just an isolated instance. Repeatedly, Jesus would tell people, according to your faith, be it unto you. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. We don't receive according to God's ability. How many know that as far as ability, God can do anything? Isn't that right? As far as ability. And as far as God's will. It's His will for us to be healed and whole and blessed. Do you believe that? But that's not how we receive. We don't receive according to his will or according to his power or ability or provision. That's there so we can receive. But how will we receive? How did these men receive? According to their faith. How will we, we receive? According to our faith. The resources of healing in God are unlimited. I mean, there's enough healing in God to flow in you, to cause every problem to cease instantly. Amen. And cause you to feel like a new person instantly. 
But you don't receive according to what's there. You receive according to what you can lay hold of with your spirit. Amen? Let me, get, let me just paint you a picture like this. I mean, uh, let's say that there was this huge vault full of gold coin, jewels. And they open the door, and the thing is uh, four stories tall and hundreds of feet deep and wide, and it's full. And they said, you can have all you want. Well, you can't, you can't take all of it out with you, though. You can only take what you're able to receive. Isn't that right? They said, you, you can't, you can't, you know, get somebody else to help you. You can't get a truck out here or anything, but, but anything you can take to yourself to receive, you can have. Well, if you brought a little sack with you, that's all you can take out. Isn't that right? If you brought a big sack, well, you can take more. Amen. If you're real, real weak and can carry just a little bit, well, that's all you can take out. If you're strong and got big bags, you can carry a lot out. Isn't that right? You're not going to take out according to what's in there. You just take out according to what you are able to, to take and receive. Amen. How many know that in God and in Christ are limitless resources, power, healing, blessings? I mean more than you could ever possibly use in this life. The Bible tells us that He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. All things are yours, He said repeatedly in the New Testament. All things are yours. But we don't live and enjoy according to what's ours legally. We enjoy what we're able to, by faith, lay hold of, amen, and draw out of the Spirit into this life that we might enjoy it. Can you say amen? I trust y'all are getting what I'm trying to say. I'm doing my best to communicate it and express it. <clears throat> so many times people think wrong. They think they're waiting on God. They think they're waiting on God to do something for them. Many times people pray that way. Oh, God, bless me. He's already blessed you. Oh, God, heal me. He's already healed you. Oh, God, give me wisdom. He's already given you wisdom. Somebody say, well, I'm not enjoying it. Well, I can understand that. But to say he hasn't given it is false and wrong. I mean, you know, when Paul prayed for the churches in the New Testament, he didn't pray and ask God, per se, to do a bunch of things for them and give them a bunch of things. Again and again, he would pray that they'd find out what God has done for them. Amen? Remember the prayer in Ephesians 1? He prayed for the Ephesians, and this is, this is uh, you know, the way he prayed for most of the churches. He prayed for them. He said, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, from the Lord Jesus, would be upon you. The eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you might know. He's not praying, oh God, do something for them. No, he said, that if Lord, enlighten their eyes that they might know what is the hope of your calling. They might know what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. What we've got, what do we inherit in Christ? And that they might know what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe. 
which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places. So he's praying that the, the church would find out what Jesus did for us. But instead of that, so many folk are praying, Oh God, do something for me. Oh God, do something for me. Oh God, move for me. And that shows that they're ignorant of what he has done for them. Either, either don't know it or they're unbelieving. They read it and heard it, but they don't believe it. Now we gotta believe that, that blessings, provision, physically, spiritually, mentally, solically, financially has already been given to us. It's ours. Now whether you got it in your hand, whether you're enjoying it in your body or not is another thing, but it's been given. I said it's been given. And now it's up to us to what? Receive. Amen? And how are you going to receive? According to what's there? No. According to what your faith is able to lay hold of and pull out. Amen. And so now we get to the real issue and problem, don't we? Weak faith. Weak faith. Barely pulling out a little trickle blessing here and there. We need strong faith. that can reach into Christ with both arms. Amen. And I mean lay hold of a heaping load of blessings. And pull them out by faith into this physical realm. Amen. Where that they're seen and felt and used and experienced. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. You know, Brother Hagin, I'll just get in. This is, this is not particularly my subject, but it ties in with it. Uh, Brother Hagin said years ago, he said as a, as a preacher, e- even for several years, as a pastor and as a traveling preacher for years, years, he and his family struggled so financially. I mean, just, you know, some people see them now, they're blessed, they have some nice things, you know, and they think, well, they're always like that. But, I mean, he sold his car for junk, walked to churches and preached and and only had one suit, and his wife had one dress, and and they're, you know, and, and they're worn and frayed, and and just you know they they, they sacrifice, but but it, but it wasn't all just because of you know sacrifice. In the early days, at least, he didn't know some things that he knows now that he's taught us, and is endeavoring to teach all of us. Amen. See, he he didn't you know it, it took him a little while to, to really get the revelation of 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 how you believe God for these kind of things. You know, we, we should be blessed and benefit from, from revelation that other people have gotten. And it shouldn't have to take us, you know, years and years and years to get a hold of some things that some folk have already gotten a hold of and taught us if we would receive it and walk in it. But, it, you know, he said he struggled, struggled so. He'd pray and pray and pray, you know, for God to meet his needs and God to meet his needs. Struggle through some way, somehow, barely straight through. Year after year after year after year. And just thought, well, you know, this is just the way it is. But he said, uh, in one extended time of seeking the Lord, and just waiting extra on the Lord, and seeking the Lord about some of these things, he said the Lord spoke to him in a very specific way and taught him. And he said, he said, from now on, he said, he taught him, he said, from now on, he said, don't pray for money. And ask me for money. He said, uh, the money you need is in this world. And I've told you that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. It's yours. And I meet all of your needs according to the riches in glory. It's yours. He said, claim what you need. Amen. And, and, and command the devil to take his hands off of your money. You, you need several hundred dollars for this payment or whatever and you don't know where it's going to come from. Say, you know, 
uh, uh, devil, take your hands off of my money. I claim that four or five hundred dollars, whatever. I claim that in the name of Jesus. I believe I'll receive it out of this world system. I know the money we need is down here. God's not going to rain counterfeit money out of heaven. The money we need is down here. Amen. And uh, God's, you know, God's not trying to keep money from us. But the devil is. The devil wants all the money and wealth of this world hoarded up in the hands of sinners that are not going to finance the gospel. They're not going to do anything good with it. They're going to sin with it. I mean, you'd be amazed, if you don't know it, about some of the wealth and what, what quantity of wealth is in the hands of some wicked people. I mean, there are people that have money. They, they blow more money in a week than, than some people make in a lifetime. I mean, blow it just, just on, on nothing. I mean, I, I read one account about individuals that, that he just loaded his family up in his private uh, big uh, 727 uh, plane and flew him to another country to get McDonald's. And his wife would spend, you know, uh, $500,000 in the morning and $800,000 in the afternoon in the shopping mall. One day. A lot of these people have personal, personal leers to fly around and sin. You know. But the Bible said the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. God knows how to transfer things. God transferred the wealth of Egypt to God's people. Amen. In that night that he brought them out. God has ways of doing things. But uh, the thing is, so many times see, people are just begging and pleading. Oh God, heal me. Oh God, bless me financially. Oh God, help me. Oh God, meet my needs. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that it's unscriptural to ever pray and ask for anything, but you need to understand that things have been provided for in Christ. And it's not just a matter of begging and pleading until you see something happen. That's not even faith anyway. That didn't go over too good. I said it's not a matter of just begging and pleading until you see something happen. See, a lot of people, they just beg and plead and plead and beg. Oh, please, God. Oh, please, please. Please heal me. Please bless us. Please, please. And ask and pray and beg and cry. But see, that's not faith. It's all right to ask if you're going to believe you receive. Amen. At some point, you've got to, with the arms and hands of faith, believe that it's there for you. It's provided in, in Christ and in the Spirit. And you reach in by faith and believe you lay hold of it and believe that it comes to you. Amen. Amen. And expect it to come into your hand. May not happen at once. May not happen in a day. But you just keep on believing and keep on expecting. It'll come to you. Amen. It's, it's a revelation. To understand that it's not a matter of us always trying to, to, that we need to always be trying to get God to do something for us, but that God in Christ has already done everything for us. And already provided everything for us. Amen. He's not really needing to do a bunch of things for us. He's given us life. He's given us remission of sin. He's given us acceptance as sons and daughters. He's given us authority in the name of Jesus. He's given us the Holy Ghost. He's given us provision. He's given us healing. He's given us peace. He's given us the Spirit of God to direct us and guide us. He's given us everything. It's a matter now of us receiving out of what He's given us for us receiving day to day what we need. 
That's why it's written, the just shall live by faith and they shall walk by faith. If you're going to live victorious every day by faith, you have to lay hold of what God's provided for you and pull it out so that you can enjoy it in this realm. Can you say amen? Notice in Exodus, the uh, 23rd chapter. Exodus chapter 23. Verse 29. This is talking about the Lord bringing the people into the promised land and uh, driving the Canaanites out before them. Verse 29, Exodus 23, Exodus 23, 29. He said, I will not drive them, talking about the Canaanites, I will not drive them out before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. By little and little. Everybody say, by little and little. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased. Until what? Until you be increased and inherit the land. The Israelites didn't take the promised land just because God gave it to them. God gave it to the first generation that perished in the wilderness. promised land was just as much theirs as it was that next generation. But they didn't enjoy it at all. Why? The Bible said they could not enter in because of unbelief. It wasn't the giants that kept them out. It wasn't the walled cities that kept them out. It was their own unbelief that kept them out. And that second generation, though, they decided they're going in. They had more faith than the first generation. And they began to go in. But they didn't just take it all at once, did they? They took it a city at a time. They took it a step at a time. The Lord told Joshua, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that'll be yours. In other words, they took it a footstep at a time. They took it a foot at a time. And the Lord told him, he said, you're not going to take it all at once. But you're going to take it by little and little. And I'm going to drive them out before you by little and little until what? Until you be increased. He said, he said, if all the enemy will just run out of the land all at once, you're not big enough and strong enough to possess the whole land and the, the, the fields will grow up and the beast will multiply and you won't be able to possess it. You know, we'll just, as you, as, until you're able to take the whole thing, we'll let them farm your fields for you and keep your houses in good shape and keep the beast under control until you can take it. And the scripture says that God has given to the wicked the arduous task of laying up treasures that he may give it to him that is just and meek before him. <laughs> Amen. And the reason that so many people are not enjoying some things is because their faith is just not up to the place where they can lay hold of it. And so the enemy is possessing things that could be theirs, taking care of it until they're able to possess it. Interesting thoughts. But now, when you see this, you understand this, what should be your 
main interest in? My faith getting stronger. Amen? To where I can lay hold of these things and receive what God has already provided for me. And the disciples got a glimpse of that. As they walked with Jesus, Jesus you know, taught these kind of things and they began to get a hold of it. And so back over in Luke 17 now, Luke 17, notice the question that they asked him and the answer he gave them that is very enlightening. Luke 17, verse 5. Luke 17, verse 5. And the apostles said, they said to Jesus, said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Have you ever felt like praying that prayer? <laughs> Increase my faith. And so the Lord called them to him and laid his hand upon them and said, Have more faith. And their faith waxed great. <laughs> no. I think, though, that sometimes that's what people have in mind. Lay hands on me and give me that. Pray for me and I'll get it. No, no. So many of these things, they operate by the principle of sowing and reaping and seed time and harvest, and it takes consistency and persistence and time. The Lord said to them, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, how much faith does it take to get results? Sometimes people have left the impression that you have to have just an enormous faith just to get a little bitty job done. But that's not true. He's talking about faith here, and I believe that quantity of faith is referred to here, but also character of seed and the, and the operation of faith is depicted here. How that like a seed, faith starts small and grows big. I know that's the way it works. What he's telling them is, You've just got to start with the faith that you have right now. And you've got to start feeding it and using it. And it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger until you can lay hold on bigger and bigger blessings. Amen? Until with your spirit you can reach out in God and lay hold. Amen? Of the things that you know He's provided for you. Until the, and you can sustain faith over a period of time, as long as it takes, until those things come into being in this natural realm. Faith. Faith is, is that, that power that enables you to lay hold of the blessings of God and pull them out of the unseen realm into this realm. Can you say amen? I mean, there's healing power in this room right now. Do you understand that? Because the Holy Ghost is here. Power of God is here. The wisdom of God is here. You need wisdom. If you need direction, it's here. 
Because he's here. Restoration. Strength. Love. Consolation. Comfort. Joy. Because he's here. But we don't just receive according to what's here, do we? Do we? How do we receive? According to our faith. Well, I wish it would fall on me. It don't come by wishing. You've got to believe that it comes on you. And another way of saying believe, you've got to expect. Amen. Expect it to begin to come into you. Expect it. It's alright to ask the Lord to do something for you, but as soon as you ask, immediately start expecting. Amen. Expect. Immediately. Begin expecting. It's not a matter of just kind of waiting around and seeing if anything's going to happen or not. That's not faith. You've got to know God's will, and you've got to know God's provision, and you've got to reach out with a, with a faith that has a substantial grip and lay hold of what you can't see and you can't feel, but you know it's there by faith. And you believe that it comes into you and you start expecting to feel and see the results of it. And you keep expecting as long as it takes. You keep expecting as long as it takes until you see and sense and feel and experience the results. Thank God for the provision of Christ. Thank God for faith. All things are possible with God. And the Bible said all things are possible to him that believes. You have to get both of those, don't you? you got to get both of those hooked together to understand and operate. He said if you just had faith like a grain of mustard seed. How many believe you got some faith? Got, I mean, just some amount. I would think everybody should be able to raise your hand. So, I, well, I know I got some. Now, see, the devil oftentimes try to tell you, "Yeah, but you don't have enough. You don't have enough. That's your problem. You don't have enough faith." I'm telling you, the devil will never tell you you have enough faith. If you listen to him, <laughs> I mean, you can read books and you can go to services and. And you can feed on the word, and, and I mean, from now on. You say, well, do I have enough faith? And the devil say, no, no. Because he knows that one of, the, one of the great keys to developing strong faith is that you've got to start right now where you are using what you have. Amen. Strong faith is a lot like strong physical muscles. We were all born babies, weren't we? But you grow and you develop. And it's like the person that says, well, you know, I want to get stronger. And so they, they, they under the, under misconceptions, go down to the, the, the gymnasium or whatever, where, they, where the people are exercising, and they say, well, you know, I, I want to be strong. And they say, well, you have to come back here, and you have to do this, you have to do that. Well, I want muscles. Well, you already have muscles. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. You yeah, but I want to be like so-and-so or, wh- or whatever. Well, the thing is, they've used their muscles, they've fed them and used them, and they got bigger and stronger. And it's not a matter that, that you, you know, if, if you need stronger faith, it's not a matter that you need to go around praying that, that God would give you faith. You got faith. 
you couldn't have been saved without faith. Is that right? If you're saved, that's one of the clearest illustrations and, and, and indicators that you got faith. You had, to, you had to have faith to get saved, didn't you? And you can take that same faith and use it over in the area of healing for your body. And though it might seem small and it might seem weak, the way it's going to get bigger and stronger is because you're going to feed it on the Word of God and you're going to exercise it. And it'll get bigger. Amen. The Bible talks about little faith and the Bible talks about great faith. Amen. And the Bible talks about weak faith and the Bible talks about strong faith. The Bible said Abraham was not weak in faith, but he was strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able to perform. Another way of saying that, he was fully persuaded, he was fully expecting what God said to come to pass. Strong faith is fully persuaded and it expects real strong. Amen. I mean, you, 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 can't, you can't talk negative to, to, to strong faith. It won't even listen to you. Yeah, but it might not happen. They'll look at you like you're crazy. What do you mean it might not happen? It's happening. It's happening. But you can't ever tell. Yes, we can tell. God said he's not a liar. He'll do what he said he would do. But you just don't ever know. I know. God said. Amen. He said it. He'll do what he said he would do. He's faithful. He's heard my prayer. I believe I've received. I'm expecting Strong faith expects much. Expects strong. And strong faith doesn't waver and get weak over a day or two. So you can really begin to see strong faith versus weak faith when you have to stand for a little while. Because it takes endurance, doesn't it? You'll be tempted if time passes a little bit and you don't see changes or if symptoms don't improve immediately or whatever, you'll be tempted to waver it. Say, well, what's wrong? What's going on here? The strong faith doesn't change. Strong faith is fully persuaded. Fully. Amen. A heart that is fully persuaded. Amen. Praise God. Like that woman with the issue of blood. I believe she was fully persuaded. Don't you? The Bible said she heard about Jesus. We know she had to hear about the anointing. She had to hear about the power of God because she wanted to touch him. Why would she want to touch him? Because she believed there was power there. She had, she had to hear about it. She must have heard that people had touched Jesus or that he had touched them and they got healed when this anointing flowed out of him into her, into them. And she must have believed that if she could get to him and touch him, that power would flow into her and heal her. She must have believed that. The Bible said she said within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his clothes, I will be whole. She didn't say, I'll try it and see if anything happens. No, no. If I can just touch, it will. Amen. Did you get that? So she pressed through the crowd. It wasn't easy. She'd been sick for a long time. She was probably physically weak. But she pressed through the crowd. She reached through. She touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible said immediately, power flowed out of him into her. She could tell it. He could tell it. And the Bible said she, she backed up into the crowd and immediately she knew, she felt in her body she was healed. Right then. And Jesus stopped right in his tracks. He said, who touched me? Nobody said a word. He looked all around about him, Luke said, and said, who touched me? The Bible said all of them denied. I guess when he looked at her, she said, the Bible said all. Finally, he just kept standing there. He said, somebody touched me. 
I guess the disciples got embarrassed after a while and they said, well, now, Lord, the multitude's thronging you. There are a lot of people who touched you. What do you mean somebody touched He said, somebody touched me. Sometimes uh, spiritual things are not as real to some other people as they are to the individual that's doing the talking. So folk have a tough time relating. They can't see what you're talking about. Like the prophet when they're surrounded by the armies and, and the, the, the servant shaking in his boots saying, what are we going to do? He said, he said, there's more with us than there are with them. I bet he looked at him like he was crazy, you know. One, two, thousands. But spiritual things are real. Amen. And the power of God's real. The anointing of God is real. Flowed out of her. Why? Because her touch was not a touch like the other ones in the crowd. Casual touch, accidental touch, curious touch. No, her touch was a touch of full expectancy. A touch of faith. A touch of confidence. She said, and the Bible, the Greek implies, she kept saying within herself while she pressed through the crowd, if I can just touch, if I can just touch, when I touch, I'll be healed. When I touch, and I mean, when she touched his clothes, she expected that faith was the conductor. Like when a, when a, a power line, uh, it connects the electricity and it's something that that power can flow through, it'll flow through it. Faith is the conductor to the power of God. And when she touched, it wasn't just a touch of flesh to fabric. It was a touch of heart. A touch of the soul. A touch of the spirit. A touch of faith. And her faith reached out. Even though she was feeble in body, she had a faith grip. Amen. That was strong enough. She reached out. And, and that, that physical touch was representative of spiritually what she was doing. Spiritually, she reached out the hand of her heart. She reached out the hand of her spirit and she laid hold of that power that was there and she took some of that into herself. And I mean, it healed her like that. She didn't even ask the Lord if it'd be all right. She just went and got some of that power. Amen. Amen. She didn't even ask him if, if he would minister to her, if it'd be all right for her to touch him, if it was his will for her to be healed or not. She just assumed that it would be. And she was right. Because when, when he looked at her, when he spoke to her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Don't be afraid. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith. Your faith was what laid hold of the power. Your faith is what made you whole. Go in peace. Be whole of your plague. So she left healed and whole. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Faith is the hand that reaches out Amen. In Christ. In the realm you can't see and you can't feel, but you know it's there. How many believe healing is in this room today? Amen. Healing is in this room. Amen. It's here. You can't reach up with your hand and take it. Your physical hand, but you can reach up with your spirit. You can reach up with your spirit. Amen. And you don't just take according to what's there. You take according to what your heart has strength to lay hold of. What your faith has grip to take to yourself. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God, praise God. In just a moment, we're going to lay hands on folks that would like to have hands laid upon them. Laying on of hands can be a point of contact where you can reach up with your spirit, reach up with your faith, and lay hold of what God has provided. Also, laying on of hands from the ministerial standpoint it is a vehicle that God can minister His power in a very tangible way directly to you. 
Amen. I mean, it's possible just sit in your chair right where you are. And just believe that you reach up to God and, 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 and uh, receive healing power. Because the Spirit of God's in you. The Spirit of God's upon us. The Spirit of God's in the room. But there's also a very, very uh, direct way that God ministers the power of God to us. And it's through the hands of another. Amen. And all of them are right. And we're going to, uh, we're going to lay hands on those who'd like to have hands laid on them just in a moment. And when we do, we're going to believe God that the power flows into you. Amen. I'm going, I'm going to expect. I'm going to use my faith to virtually push that power on you. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just going to virtually push that power into you. But you can't just push something into somebody. It's kind of like the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Once we minister that to you, deliver that to you by faith, then what do you do? You need to receive. You need to reach out with, with both arms, spiritually speaking. Amen? And I mean lay hold of the power of God and by faith believe that healing comes into you, into your body, into your flesh, starts working in you immediately. And then you keep believing. So that it keeps working until you're whole and healed. Bible said they shall lay hands on the sick and what had happened? They shall recover. They shall recover. And I'm convinced that if people, ministers, believers, whoever, lay hands on folk in faith and that the people who have hands laid upon them receive in faith, I'm convinced that in 100% of the cases, recovery begins that moment. You understand what I said? If the person laying on their hands does it in faith, the person comes up receiving in faith, I'm convinced that 100% of the time, recovery begins. But now you have to keep your faith active. Amen. So that the power keeps working in you till you're made whole and made strong. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.